Welcome to another episode of Speaking of Tangents, a special episode this time where we're going to interview each other, KJ and I, uh, and just get into a conversation about how we got started listening to Tony's show, how we got into the jingles, maybe talk some about what we consider some of our favorite personal jingles or what we consider might be underrated, possibly overrated, um, <laughs> and then maybe see where it goes from there. So let's get right into it and just talk about how we started listening to Tony's show. All right. Well, I'll go first. Uh, sure. You know, I looked this up because I was I had this sneaky suspicion you were going to ask me this. <laughs> Since we asked the previous two guests, we had this question. Yes. Um, it was sometime after Tony was nationally syndicated mm-hmm. on on ESPN Radio. So I wasn't quite sure about the date. So I went to Wikipedia. Well, we know everything's accurate. Um, <laughs> somewhere between 1998 and 2000, 2001. He was nationally syndicated in 1998, mm-hmm. but I, I distinctly remember listening to it when I was in grad school. So that was probably around 2002, 2003, mm-hmm. somewhere in the early 2000s. I can't quite remember. 1998, I was in undergrad. I can't remember. I can't tap that far back to know if I was listening to it at that time. But so, I would say sometime um, in the early 2000s. And then... Sometimes late, sometime later after that, when I got a job and could afford cable, then yeah. I found that then I became aware of PTI and, and have been watching that ever since. And I've been listening to Tony. I don't think I've missed an episode really since since the time uh, two thousand early two thousands. Wow, cool! So you started out uh, on the radio then, basically on the radio. Yep. yep, I didn't know who he was. I'd never. I wasn't a reader of his columns or anything like that. Now, since then, I've I've read all of his column books, for lack of a better term, um, and his one standalone book that is not about his columns. It was a... Pers- oh, I didn't know there was one of those. Which one is that? It's called The Baby Chase, and it's a personal have, story. How have I never heard of this? There have not been many out there. Wow. And I actually got it... I can't remember if I forked over the money or if one of my family members bought it for me for a gift. But it was I it was like forty or fifty dollars from Amazon because they're not they're not that they're not widely out there, you know. Oh, wow, that's that's very rare then. So I because I've never heard, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, it's a personal story about his, their he and his wife's um, difficulty with having children and thinking about adopting and things like that. It was a very interesting book. How about you? How long have you been listening to TK? I've been listening to the radio show since it was probably late 2000s, like 2009, something like that, 2008. Um, I started out reading his uh, columns in ESPN the magazine when it was like one of the, oh, some yeah. of the first episodes of that. Um, some Christmas in like the, I think it was 99, 98, whenever that magazine started mm-hmm. the first year, somebody bought me, some relative of mine bought me a, a subscription and Tony was writing like a uh, a humorous, but like a one-page column in there, like a columnet, I guess it would be, um, he would call it, yep. in in the magazine. And just instantly, the first three or four that I read, uh, it's like, I got to find out more about this guy because these are, these are hilarious and they're great. And it's, I agree with, you know, the angle that he's coming from and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so yep. then um, started watching PTI when, from basically the first year that they, him and Will Bond were on, when I found out about that. And found out about the radio show from PTI, from watching PTI. And he mentioned it one just offhand, like at the end of an episode of PTI. And I was like, wait a minute, there's a 
radio show that I could listen to. And I've, and I went and found, um, the podcast, the, the, not the version that ESPN put out, but the one that was basically where I, I can't remember who did it, but, um, they would go and take the episode partial parts of the two hours, the main parts. Yep. So I always missed out on old guy radio for like the first couple of years I listened to the show. Oh, you missed out on the best part then. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, um, I think that was ESPN radio's podcast. Maybe it was. Cause it was, it was condensed down to about an hour. Yeah. The best of and, they called it. Yeah. That's, that's right. The best of Tony Kornheiser. And mm-hmm. so I, um, would, would listen to that and then started listening, um, went once the podcast with the delay when it was with the next day or whatever it is, um, yep. got into that. So then I, I was always confused at first when they were talking about podcast delay, because I didn't know that there was an additional podcast that had the whole two hours. Oh, so you're like, what are they talking about? Yeah. I'm like, what are they talking about? Podcast delay. I get this the same day, but didn't, and not realizing that it was oh, interesting. basically a subset hour of the show. And it took me a while to go, oh, wait a minute. And then I found the entire thing with the old guy. And I would hear them reference like, um, you know, when they play the clip going into the show that was basically like previously on and they would play some clip. And sometimes I'd be like, I don't ever remember hearing that. Where was I when, what was I thinking was going through my mind when I was listening to that part of the podcast yesterday? Because I was listening to it every day as soon as it was available um, at that that time. And uh, You thought you were going mad. Yeah, I was like, how am I missing this? And then discovered, oh, I'm missing an entire segment of the show because the old guy radio is the segment that they always cut out. And sometimes if there was another interview that went a little long, they'd cut that out too in order to get it down to uh, like an, less than an hour. But I was um, pleasantly surprised when I found the other one, the full version, the whole entire show uh, podcast, and would listen to that. Even with the delay, I didn't really care because I, uh, I got to the point where I was listening to it the next day anyway. Oh, yeah, the delay never bothered me, Yeah. Um, even though it was great jingle fodder, and I yes. certainly played up the fact that it bothered me in the jingles, but it certainly didn't because I was also, you know, I was in Minnesota, Wisconsin, wherever I was at the time throughout, throughout the years. I yep. never listened to it the same day. Anyway, I was always behind. Yep, same here. I, I got to the point of where after the first, you know, few months, I was like, ah, I'll just listen to this the next day. And yeah. certainly so I could hear the entire show. But um, yeah, but ever since then, have been listening and obviously um, been more involved with the show than I ever thought uh, when I first originally started listening to the show, more than I ever thought was even possible or would ever be. So it's one of these things where the first time they play a jingle that you did on the show, it's like, wow, they said my name on the air or, or you know, yep. Tony Kornheiser talked about a song that I did and it's, you know, and, and Nigel mentioned my name, that kind of stuff. And, and Gary, you know, knows he heard my song that I wrote about him, that kind of stuff. Um, jingle I wrote about him, but that kind of stuff, uh, is always amazing. But the first, first time, the first couple of times you're like, wait a minute, is this really happening? So it's, it's been very, very cool the last several years, um, doing that. And then of course, while that's awesome, the best part is, that if it wasn't for his show and, and writing these songs and doing this nonsense that probably would have never gotten to know the people, the community of people that range from everyone who comes to the jingle fest and everyone who listens, um, to, you know, the smaller group of regular jingle jinglers who do these songs on a regular basis. And then, you know, we, we talk every week now, (laughs) multiple times a week and, you know, do things with Rob and everyone else involved. It's, it's just been really, really cool 
just the community of people. Just being a part of that has been awesome. Yeah, it's by far the best part. And of course, yes. this this podcast would have never existed without it. Now, I don't know if that's Absolutely good or not. bad. But <laughs> so, yeah, take that as you want. Yeah, I looked up the ESPN magazine. That was part of his radio contract when he uh-huh. came on to ESPN's national radio show. So that started in 1998, uh-huh. and it was okay. uh, the column was called Parting Shots. Yep, that was it. Yep. That's it. So and 1998 first... to 2000 is when he wrote those columns. Okay. that's I've, I've read every single one of those. I, I may still have those magazines in a box in a basement. I've moved like once or twice since then. Mm-hmm. I may still have those in a box that got moved from two or three houses ago in my basement somewhere. They're hilarious. They're really, really well written. And there was one he wrote about Mark McGuire, about when basically it was uncovered and people started getting the sense that, uh-oh, something's not right here when he's hitting all these home runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that he wrote about basically that moment of when people started finding out. I think that ha- that had happened previous to this, previous to the article, but it was, you know, now it was really coming out about um, the steroid use and stuff and how bad it was in baseball at that point. It's great. It's really funny. Well, if it's anything like his columns that I read uh, in the book form, he's, yeah. he's very, he, he makes great points, but he's just, Funny in how he does it. Yes, absolutely. And that's that's what every one of these is like because it's, it's really, I don't know how many words it is, but it's a page, but it always had like, you know, an image inset in the page sure. and it's basically two columns. So it's not two columns of text on the page. It's not, it's not a lot of words, but he used it to very great effect to get the point across and be funny at the same time. Well, I'll definitely have to check that out. So you just mentioned that you got the last couple of years have been great because of the jingles. Well, how did you first get started with the jingles um, and that whole that whole phenomenon, I guess, at this point? I started a few years ago. Um, I'm late to the game relative to most of the regular uh, like people at Jingle Fest. I think there's maybe only one or two people that um, had an, a jingle that aired after I did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I started out hearing you guys get jingles aired and be like, that's hilarious. That's funny. I should probably see if I could do that. And um, just hearing um, some of the stuff you guys came up with, just it spurred my creativity and it, it became, it was at a point where I'd been working on original music and doing all this stuff and playing in bands uh, and then had a couple of kids. And that, so the band stuff was kind of put on hold and in that kind of situation. And sure. That that was fine with me to, you know, to stop that part of it. But the creative part of okay, I got to write songs, I got to do this. It started coming out, and the jingles were a great, became a great outlet. Mm-hmm. And then yep. when I started posting them and realizing, oh, there's more than just the creative outlet of this. There's the like we talked about before, the best part, the community of other people um, that do these things. Because I mean, it's a bunch of nonsense that somehow brings people together in a very tight knit way. And it's been, it's been awesome. So that, that is, um, that's kind of how I got started doing it was listening to you guys. And then I remember I got an email from Brad. It was like, Hey, if you'd like to do something together after I'd posted a few of them. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Brad Weiss is emailing me. What are you talking about? I've heard him on the show on Tony's show. What do you, what do you mean? And then, um, I, I can't remember how we first, email back and forth about doing one together. But I think I emailed you and said, Hey, would you be interested in doing, singing this song or whatever with me? Or if I wrote this, would you sing it? And 
you know. Yeah, I can't remember you were either. Like, no, but, I don't have time um, for you. You're not. You're not known. You're not famous. I don't. I don't. How dare you step to me? I think is what you said. Your your memory of what I said is spot on. I'm impressed. Okay. <laughs> um, you said that you were late to the game, but you made up for it in fantastic fashion. I'm looking at the tkjingles.com website, yeah. and you have 127 jingles, and those are just yours by yourself. That doesn't include collaborations. I have been doing it, I don't know how much longer than you, but probably a fair amount longer than you. I would say at least a year. And I have only 102 solo jingles. It just means you're not as crazy as I am. (laughs) And then, um, I've never looked at this, but my collaborations, I don't know exactly. I I have a playlist that I keep that's called KJ and Pals or KJ Pal. I don't remember what I called it, but that's simply for me to keep track of all the jingles I've done. But when you click on a playlist, I don't think it tells you how many you've done. Uh, so I'm too lazy to count them up. I know one time that Jerry was working, Jerry had added some extra stats in there and he said he could probably access that to see, okay, let's view all the collaborations and you could pull up a search with it had everything. I don't know if he's ever, um, if he decided to do that or if that's part of the site. I know he had thrown in. I've seen him send out some stuff that said uh, lately that said, Hey, this is how long, this is the last jingle that this person submitted this is the last time this person had a jingle aired and i've been kind of out of it for the last month or so working on a project that i will talk about in detail uh, in the few next few weeks at some point yes i'm very excited to hear you i am extremely excited to talk about it i just not not ready yet um yeah and you know jerry specifically called you out and wondered where you were rightfully so (laughs) so i'm hoping hope i'm hoping Um, december um this thing that I'm working on is taking a little bit longer, but I'm hoping maybe uh, mid-December, before the end of the year, to get back into regular writing these things. If I can, if I can, I'm not going to say anything more than I think it'll be well worth the wait. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you think so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you. Speaking of collaborations and speaking of number of songs, you mm-hmm. are prolific with the collaborations. Uh, it's more than I thought it's, it was. It's a lot, uh, I bet. I would say that you're probably up there near the top. You and Joe I was would be my guess. I'm clicking on KJ and Pals right now, and I am correct that I it does not say how many, but I think it might be longer than my solo. <laughs> so it's um, probably like an extra hundred or more. <laughs> I can't remember doing some of these like oh i did that song i did that song <laughs> which may not be it's probably not a good thing i think at one point i a, did a song that i had done previously that i had forgotten mm-hmm. i had written a jingle for that particular song and i did it again yeah, okay so i don't feel no, so I've bad done that. i know i've done that at least once because i remember making that comment about uh-oh when i went i searched for it and it didn't come up because it was i i had personally typed the name in wrong because i or you know differently because I yep. I was the one who did the song before. So I doubled up on my own song accidentally. Yeah, and the most recent one I can think of is that they played Umbrella yeah. a couple of weeks oh, ago. Rob, uh, yeah. Robert Berg's, yeah, Mozzarella, the one that Robert Berg wrote about the lachiserie. Yeah. And I, I didn't know, he must have resubmitted that, and I didn't know. Yeah, and so I'm listening to the podcast, 
and I'm hearing the intro music and I'm thinking, hmm, this sounds familiar. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I hear my voice and I'm like, oh, I guess I did this one. It was so, it was kind of a weird feeling like, oh boy, yeah. am I losing it or Well, that what? one was what? That was probably six, seven, eight months ago, maybe. It was before the summer. Uh, it might have been last year. Yeah, it was. It was, I think it was during the summer. Oh, okay. Because I know a lot of people summer. now recently have gone back and resubmitted ones that they have trimmed down because they're playing, they're only playing shorter things. Um, right. Yeah. And so I know people have, I know people have been going back and submitting stuff that didn't get aired, resubmitting it um, as shorter versions. Um, and that's probably what happened with that. It might be. Yep. I, I think he did resubmit it. I remember listening because to that one because he had sent it to me for to to check mixes on it and stuff. And um, I remember hearing it. And so when I saw it pop up on the site, I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Yeah. That was a great one. Yeah. Um, and I had forgotten too. <laughs> and you sang it. <laughs> I sang it, yeah. So to I guess to answer your question, yes, I may be one of the ones that has done a lot of collaboration. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. And they're they're a lot of fun yes. to do. That's and my favorite ones. They, are they, when I do do with other people. Yeah, and they're they're um, they keeps you it keeps you fresh. It keeps you doing. Um, some of them have been me playing ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> what, what you mean? And others ukulele? are are you? Yeah, and others are backing tracks. Yeah. You know. I think I probably have two or three out there that I told people. Yeah, I'm interested in doing this. I'm kind of busy right now. I, w- I want to do this though. And I've yet to get back to him. I know I owe Patrick at oh, least yeah. one or two um, backing tracks that he and I have talked about that we were going to do together. Um, and there's probably a couple more that I was have told people that I'm going to sing that I just, I'm sorry, <laughs> haven't gotten around. I'm sure to. there's a few there that for me too that I've forgotten to get yeah. back to people, and they're just too polite to say, "Hey, yeah." And I would you remember yeah, this? I, and I feel I feel bad because I'm I hate when I do that. As the aforementioned recording thing that I'm working on now, it's just been overwhelming me lately. Yeah. So yep. anyway, we well, can only do so yes. much. Um, but as far as when I started, um, if I remember, well, before even before that, do you remember when the show um, used to instead of doing? jingles of the mailbag or anything like that the show was having littles you know or whatever they were called at that time i don't even think they were called littles but fans of the show would send in their um version of previously on the tony kornheiser yeah, show those, yes yeah do you remember yes. that so i think that was sort of the first way that they kind of tried to get fans on the mm-hmm. show and then then people started to do covers of Gary's mailbag and then covers of covers, which is what I ended up yeah. doing. I did I did an acapella cover of Darius Rucker's cover of Gary's mailbag. <laughs> and that's that was my first first jingle and then when when that aired, it was such an organic experience for me because I was driving in the car and at that time there was no I don't think there was even a community of littles yeah. where you you never usually you don't get surprised anymore if your song's on the air because it somebody tells you about it or 
um, it gets posted on TK Jingles or uh, people comment on it or something. Right. You don't, you don't, you're not supri- surprised. Well, this was back when there wasn't that community, and uh, we were, we were driving in the car, and I was forcing my my non little soon to be related by marriage uh, person to listen to the podcast, yeah. and then I hadn't told anybody I sent this in. And then it just came on, and I was like, hey, listen, that's me, that's me, listen, listen. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that was just so fun. I couldn't, I just couldn't believe they played it. Um, So then, um, after that, then it sort of began to mold from covers of Gary's or covers of Darius's to um, covers of parody songs that first talked about just the mailbag and then the podcast delay. um, And then, as you know, everything Tony's laundry, as Jerry likes to yeah. say. But um, I, the, when my first jingle that wasn't a cover of Gary's or Darius's was um, Podcast Delay, which was You're So Vain by Carly yeah. Simon. And I didn't know how to do backing tracks. I didn't know any of that. So that's what I decided. Well, I, I've tried to play guitar. I've tried to play mandolin. I can't. I can't do it. I wasn't able to... I didn't have the patience. I, I shouldn't say I can't do it. I probably can, but I didn't have the patience. So I think it was my brother that said, well, maybe you should try. And he said ukulele. And here I go struggling with how to pronounce it. <laughs> I like you. <laughs> yeah. Let's just say uke. Okay. So I started, um, or is sorry, it ook? Ook. <laughs> so then I just picked that up and that was um, easier for me. So that is how I started was just doing my own versions of backing tracks with ukulele cool. and those are still some of my favorite ones you've done always oh like thanks those. i was looking back at my jingles in preparation for this because i had a feeling these would be the questions we yeah, went over i wonder why uh uh and so a lot of the jingles that i like the most that i've done are those and it's probably because you know what they were a lot more work for me i had to teach myself the how to play yeah, it's, a, it's absolutely more um, work when you're playing it when you're playing the backing track yeah, and I don't do them as much anymore, um, but just because, well, I guess it doesn't matter now, but at the time, there was all this this idea of getting the jingle in quickly, oh, and yeah. I didn't have time to teach myself. Ha, yeah, and so I've obviously eventually learned how to do backing tracks mm-hmm. and garage band and all that. I'm still not great at it, but at least I can put something oh, you're, together. You're underestimating yourself. I think you do great with that stuff. Well, I usually have to enlist some help on mixing and um, vocal volumes and track volumes, but I have improved quite a bit. Anybody can tell that if they go back to listen to the first couple jingles and then go from there. So, not that I'm advocating that no, at all. You should. So, the first, <laughs> the first thing that aired for you was an acapella version of Darius Rucker's cover of Gary's email or mailback thing. Yes. Cool. I did yeah. not know that for some reason. Yep, that was the first one, and then podcast delay with with the with yep, the you. That I, that was see, I my, thought that was first for some reason. Well, I think that it definitely was first from the TK Jingles standpoint. Ah. That was the first my first upload on TK Jingles. Um, I don't think I I know I didn't upload the acapella because that was quite a quite a while before mm. that. I think the first thing they so, I know the first thing they played of mine was um, not even me. I sang in played uh, a backing track that Patrick and I did together. Really? What was um, that? I can't even tell you the name of the song now. 
but it was he and I playing. Okay, is it under Patrick's? Yeah, it's got to be under Patrick's because we submitted it. Um, and that's the first thing they ever played of mine was me singing along and playing the backing track behind one that he wrote. And then not too long after that, like a few weeks or maybe a week or two after that, they played the uh, Dukes of Hazard theme song that I did. It was the first one of mine that I wrote that they played. Oh, I love that was, one. You know, Waylon Jennings. Um, I grew yeah. up watching it's Dukes of Hazard, so I, that song is in my blood just from yep. you know being a kid uh, in the eighties. Speaking of Dukes of Hazard, who was your favorite, Luke or um, John? Was it Bo? John and Luke, Bo Duke, Bo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess you could tell well, who my was, favorite uh, was. Yeah, John, John Schneider. Schneider John Schneider. Say. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, what's, what's the other guy's name? Tom Wopat. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. Wopat. He's from Wisconsin. Really? Yes, just outside of Madison. But as you know, as a as a boy in the seven, in the eighties, my favorite was. I know where this yeah. is going. Uncle Jesse. <laughs> Daisy Duke. <laughs> My favorite was uh, Luke Duke. Yeah. John Schneider, right? No. Tom Wopat. Oh, see, I forgot. I mixed them up. I'm pretty sure Bo was the blonde guy. I think you're right. Yeah. I did like Uncle Jesse, though, and who didn't like Daisy? Well, yeah, of course. Um. Anyway, so your first... Go, go ahead. <laughs> that, my, my next Speaking question was... So, yeah. <laughs> You know, my next question was about your favorite jingle you've done or a few jingles or something you're proud of, most underrated, most overrated. Uh, any of that? Um, that you, Anything you can Let me think. I will, say, I will say, since we've been talking about it, the first jingle, one of my favorite moments from the show was when they played that Dukes of Hazard one and Tony commented, who are these people? That is so funny that you said that because Tony <laughs> said that yesterday's today. show. Really? Yes, uh, original music that they're playing, they're sending in. He said that yeah. again yesterday. Who are these people? <laughs> and you know, we said that a couple weeks ago on our podcast. Yes. Who are these people? Yeah. So that 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 theme keeps coming back. That who are these people? That's right. I remember, I remember him saying that now, and that I think that got some comments on the website. Because <laughs> I was singing, um, I was singing harmony with myself, mm -hmm. and it just, I, I guess. It just made me think. Does he really think that there are multiple that that this is not just one person doing this? That there's a this is an actual band that's playing and recording this oh, song. Who are, does he not understand how this works? So he, you were thinking he was saying it literally, like these people, meaning you had a couple of people in that song because they were harmonizing. Yes. Okay. I take that as just a general comment, like who are these talented people all over the country or something like that. Yeah, and and it's that's probably the way he meant it. Actually. Okay. But it just strikes me as like him saying. The world are these people that are getting together to play this song together when because i remember having a conversation with him when i was there in the studio the first time about how how this stuff is done and or how we the most of us that do these things do these things mm -hmm. and it was a uh, it was just the look of he was just shaking his head like with his mouth open going i you're you're saying stuff that i don't even know what you're saying you're talking about because <laughs> it was like he had no idea, you know, that we could record stuff remotely and send it back and forth and do all this. He's, you know, of the generation where when a album or a record, or, you know, is a recording is made, everybody's in one room and they're playing it all at the same time, basically. Yeah, he's he was he gets it now, but it took a long time. Oh, absolutely now. And yes. he was flabbergasted. He just could not even 
he could not even conceive how that could be possible. Right. And especially when some of us were in different states, different parts of the world all over around the country that were doing these things together, that it was just like, what? Yeah. And it never occurred, you know, we're just doing all this, you know, it's all just recording, just like recording anything else. Yep. And I was shocked when I first started doing it, too, because I didn't know. I didn't know you could do that. Like send MP3s and shove them into GarageBand or whatever it is. Yes, it's awesome. The stuff that you can do with the internet, you know, access to being able to send stuff back, send large files back and forth and things like that. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. As you said last week, it's all binary. It's all zeros and ones. It's all zeros and ones at some point, (laughs) you know. You just have to know what order and what sequence and how many and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But but to answer your question, speaking of tangents, um, another the probably my most memorable thing from the show is when they played um, Intergalactic Howard Feynman to intro Howard Feynman, which at that point in time, they didn't really do a lot of in-show introduction songs. No, they really didn't. Jingles. It was, it was one of these things where if they did that, then that meant they really liked it. Yes. Yep. And so they did that and played Howard in, and Tony said something about me being the hippest guy who does this stuff, which cracked me up. That's right. He did say that. It was a song. That song was about 20 years old at the point. Yeah. <laughs> the Intergalactic was like from like 20 years ago. And to think that that would be hip, but I guess, you know, it's all relative. Yeah. <laughs> so that made me laugh. Well, Intergalactic, uh, what about you? Well, Intergalactic Howard Feynman's on my list of my favorites of yours. Cool. So let me, before we talk about mine, I right. I have to, okay, first of all, picking favorites of yours is very difficult because the quality of yours is through the roof. They're all fantastic. No, you're just, you're just being nice now. Well, I'm actually telling the truth, but, um, there's a several, one jingle that you did, I think encapsulated the whole idea of jingles uh, parody. Um, and I think I commented something like that at the time. And this was before Mm -hmm. I had even, I think that we'd even talked, met each other online, you know, via email besides on the site. And that right. was your cover of The Gambler or the parody of The Gambler. Oh, yeah. The the first, the original. The original version. one. I, yeah. I just think that is, is just so perfectly done. So I think that whoever has, if you haven't heard The Gambler, the original one, the other one's good too, but the original one is the one that sticks in, in my memory. Go listen to it. And Intergalactic Howard Feynman, I've already mentioned, you did I'm Gonna Eat a Dorito to Inagata La Vida, which oh my cracks me up every time. That is, that's some deep cuts right there. Uranus, of course. We all, Everybody, who doesn't love Uranus to Venus? Yeah, who doesn't love Uranus? Yeah. <laughs> um, the Undisclosed Location one that you did recently with, um, who who did background? Patrick, oh, yeah. Moffitt. Uh, Rob, Patrick, John, and Steve. Yeah, so, Fitzpatrick, so Fitzpatrick. great, yep. And, I'm, and you, and you, whistling. Oh, I did the whistle, was, yes. Capped it off was the perfect intro to that thing. Because I was actually going to cut that part out and just go right to the verse. And you mentioned something about, hey, you know, I could whistle that. And I was like, yes, absolutely, please do it. It's, and it was awesome. The reason that I knew I could whistle that is because I, I bet you I whistle that line three times a week. It's That song is always stuck in my head. Patience oh, by Guns N' Roses. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Another one that you did that, and it's not because I was a part of it, but I think anybody who's heard these things in the last couple of years knows that this is one of the greatest jingles ever written, and you wrote it, Dairy Queen, for um, <laughs> Dancing Queen. That still makes me laugh. Yeah. 
and I had a great time singing it, but I didn't write it, and I think that one was fabulous. Well, that um, there's a part in there where you and Joe come in singing together, and I mean, it's all great. It's I mean, the singing, the performances on that are incredible. But there's a part in that chorus where you you were singing the chorus, and Joe comes in singing like um, doubling it up, mm-hmm. and then singing like a background harmony part. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of those moments when I was like, this is this is awesome. The first time I heard it, it's it's just something where you hear something for the first time when you once you put it together and mix it and you get it right that you're just like, it's perfect. It's awesome. Yeah. And that at that moment I knew people were gonna like this thing just for that moment, if nothing else. And I remember that uh, you writing that in in the email back to us. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, and then you, I really like your wild Gretchen Wu gently weeps. I think that was really well done. <laughs> oh, the yeah to the the Beatles. Yeah, and then. One of my favorites is Seats of Crystalliza. Oh, to, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, and actually, Tony told me that when I uh, went to visit PTI. I think it was when he told me after the show. He mm. said that one is his either his favorite or one of his favorites he's ever heard was the Seats wow, of Crystalliza. Which is very cool. And once in a while, you'll see... Michael Kornheiser, if he tweets, sometimes he will use the hashtag Seats of Crystalliza. And I know that's from your jingle because everybody else calls them the Saliza Seats. Yeah, I remember um, the first Jingle Fest from a couple years ago. Uh, when I, the first time I met Tony in person, we were talking about stuff like that. And he said, my son, Michael, and I, and I hadn't even met Michael at that point. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, Michael and I talk all the time we kind of rank the jingles and which ones are our favorites mm-hmm. and he said we always have that one near the top of both our lists so that i really appreciate that that's i mean hey what, what do you say after that it, it, that's very cool i don't know that i like the fact that they sit there and rank them but i understand it's kind of <laughs> natural <laughs> well believe me i'm sure you're up at the top too. i don't know about that um okay you asked me some of my i've got um a, a few that i I don't know if they're most, I don't know if I'd call them mostly underrated, but maybe the ones that I'm most proud of, or I thought they might air and didn't, or whatever, things that I really liked. Um, Yeah. One, I did a, these, these, there are three that I did uh, on the ukulele, or ukulele, whatever. Um, you know, we're going to be saying that, we're going to be correcting ourselves and doubling that up every time from here on Mm -hmm. out. Um, just finger, um, instead of it was for linger oh, for the cran yeah. the linger by the cranberries. Yep. And then um, Riptide, uh, mailbag by Vance Joy. I think was the I called it mail mailbag, but it was Riptide. Yeah, that's one of my favorite ones that that you've done, and it's one of those where I hadn't actually heard the original song, and I still haven't. Oh, you haven't because your version. I was like, this is this is great. I don't even need to bother to go listen to the original song. This is great, standing alone, not even having any information or any knowledge of the of the actual song. Oh well, that's I'll take that any day of the week. Thank you. Yeah, it was, that's that's one of my favorite ones. And then I did the silly um, Miley Cyrus "We Can't Stop" one on on ukulele, and I <laughs> yes. I like that one. But um, those three from the ukulele, and then there was one that you and I did together, um, picture. Oh yeah, for sticker Kid Rock and Cheryl Crow. Yeah. yeah, and you helped me create a ukulele idea, uh, strumming pattern or whatever you want to call it 
and you right. played guitar. I really liked that one. I mean, that was a lot of fun. it was too long to ever air. I don't think we even sent it into the show. No, because it was like over two minutes. Yeah, but I like that one, one a lot. And, yeah, and that was you came up with that idea and wrote the lyrics to that, and it was one of those where um, when we put it together. I was like, this is this is like a song. I mean, this is it was the, pretty close to the whole song, wasn't it? Yeah, it was most of the song, but just because it was you know just the way it flows, and we kind of slowed it down a little bit and made it more of a folksy kind of song, and I, mm-hmm. I think it worked really well. So I, I really like that one too. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Um, now, I knew what these questions were. I'm not good at trying to think off the top of my head because, like I said before, these jingles weren't even... I don't. Some jingles I don't remember I did. So I looked this up earlier today because I wanted to make sure I knew what... I, so I wasn't like, uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I found in my collaborations list... Yeah. There was... I did a song that Brad wrote, Brad Weiss, two songs with him. Um, one was about the Americans... And it was a, I think it was a uh, West Side Story jingle. Yeah. And and both of us really liked that song. I think it was called The Americans. And then I did an, another one that Brad wrote called Popular the, from Wicked. Yep, those, I've heard of that. Those two I really liked. Um, and then John Fitzpatrick wrote White Rabbit. Yeah, the Jefferson Airplane. Yes, yeah. and I, I had not even, I wasn't familiar with that song at all, and that one was, it took me a while to learn that song, and so that one was maybe most proud of, because it took a lot of work, but, and then Sky Lodge with Steve Maloney. Oh, is that the Skyfall Adele? Skyfall, yep, Adele. Yeah, that one that was one, That one was a full version. I don't I don't know if he ended up sing, sending that in, but th- there are some jingles that you know aren't. Did that never air? No, See, I, none of these aired. I that aired. I've heard it like a, two or three times. I think Jerry played it on um, his podcast. Yeah, none of the jingles that I'm mentioning today, except for the last one, aired. Yeah. Um, Sky Lodge was very long. And I knew that, that, that one. It was really good. Thanks. I knew that that wouldn't air. Sometimes I'll say yes to something, you know, because that's not... I do them for fun with people. Yeah. And there are some that you just know aren't going to air because yeah, they're yeah. just too long. Yeah. I've done some with, especially ones with Luke and Rob that are, you know, three minutes yeah. long. So basically three fourths of the song that I'm like, you know, it'd be great yeah. if, if part of this aired, but I don't really care. I'm doing it because this is fun. Yeah, exactly. And then the three that I, there's three more. Two of them are backing tracks. Who, who I am or who I am by... Edie Brickell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was really yeah. good. Yep. And then blah, 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 yada, 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 <laughs> which was uh, the coffee the coffee shop song. Yep. That, by Suzanne Vega, and I remember that because of a quiz we had a couple weeks ago. Uh, Tom's Diner. Tom's Diner, yep. yeah. And those two I had a lot of fun with. Both didn't air, um, but those were a lot of fun because I loved those original songs so much. Cool. Perhaps my favorite, aside from Hamilton, which is still the best jingle I think that I've been a part of because of the sheer work that went involved in that. Yeah, and I, you I probably can speak the most, and you and Luke about the sheer work, but I'll fly away with my mom because it was with my mom. Yeah, that one's very good. With her and singing that one, harmony, right? She was singing harmony. Yeah, it was yep. really good. I remember that one. Yeah, so those are the, the ones that I looked up today that I 
I liked, but that I don't know if anybody else did, but I liked them. Oh, I, I like them. I like every one of them you mentioned, especially uh, Riptide or whatever the mailbag, whatever you called that one. The, yep, that, mailbag. I that's one of my favorites. And some of the other ones off the top of my head would be uh, Loyal to Royals. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. It was really good. Um, and uh, one of the ones that made me laugh more than anything was the uh, Teaspoon of Cinnamon or whatever you called it. <laughs> The, yeah, teaspoon of cinnamon. From, yep. Um, is it Mary Poppins? Is that what it's from? Yeah, teaspoon of sugar. <laughs> that, that thing cracked me up the first time yeah. that you sent it to me and Rob. I was just laughing about that. Um, yeah, that one was a lot of fun. Yeah, and then uh, Oh Holy Night, of course. Yes. From Last Christmas, which Deanna, my wife, still is like, she ruined that song forever, but I can't be mad because it makes me laugh. So. <laughs> oh, she sent me a note and said uh, she was, it, 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 she was joking, but she's like, really. You have to do this to my favorite Christmas song. <laughs> yeah, that is like her favorite Christmas song, but she's she's laughing about it. She she she'll bring it up like every you know few weeks. Be like, I can't believe I'm singing this in my head. Well, it's one of my favorite Christmas songs too, so I knew Same I here. wanted to do it. Yeah, and, and but I had to once that idea came in my head, I had to do it that way. Oh, absolutely. I, I also liked um, Barracuda, the heart version you did with that. I think you did a really good job with that. Uh, oh yeah, thanks, Baratuna. Yeah. I originally wanted to call, suggested I think Tuna Cuda, which is the <laughs> dumbest title and so much worse than Baratuna <laughs> that I can't. It made me like laugh at myself when you sent back and said, "I think I'm going to call it this." I was like, "Oh, that makes so much more sense." <laughs> hey, well, you know, your tu- what was yours? Tuna. Tuna Cuda. <laughs> tuna Cuda. <laughs> which is just stupid. Well, tuna cuda sounds good too. It's not baratuna though. Just come on. Okay. Come on. It's not. Uh, yeah, that one was another one where I had, wasn't really that familiar with the song, and I knew that I was taking on heart and and but um, that one was one of the ones. I'm sure we'll get into our jingle writing process. I have a couple ways that I decide how to do jingles, and that one was one where yeah, where you. I wanted something that rhymed with tuna because I wanted to talk about the tuna fish yep. debate. And that was one where I just kind of wrote words down that rhymed with tuna or and then did a Google search and Barracuda came up. And I nice. kind of knew the song, but not not didn't know it that well. Um, so that one was more work for me than others, but I was certainly happy to have done it. That one didn't air either, I don't think. That that one that was one of my uh, favorite ones that um, shows that you can sing just about anything because you go from singing a ukulele, you know, more of kind of like a folky kind of song to something like that, which is full on. I mean, singing Ann Wilson Hart is especially from the seventies is it's difficult. It is not easy, and then so you knock that out of the park, and then come back and sing stuff like you know you've done how many like. Three, maybe four Adele jingles, maybe more than that. It's been three, three now. I think with, with the least the Skyfall the recent one. and then the last you've done two like recently, right? Um, I did the someone like you recently. Yeah. Yep. Um, Which and was then awesome. Skyfall, and then what was the other one? There was another one that was really good too that I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, and it was. I can't remember which song it was either. It's probably the only other Adele song that I'm really familiar with. That was a collaboration, I think. Somebody else wrote that. Ah, uh, okay. 
it was really good. Anyway, my, my point was that you can basically sing anything and make it believable and sound right. And that's, that's not easy to do. That's very difficult. It's easy to, it's not easy, but it's easier to get locked into a certain style and stay in a certain genre and only do this and not get outside mm-hmm. of that. But to be able to competently handle multiple genres is, is not a lot. It's something that not a lot of people can do, even people that can sing. So, I mean, it's, it's been, it's been fun to hear you do different things, even when you do like, what was it? Uh, Gangster's Paradise that you did? Rapping? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it made me laugh. <laughs> Good, because that was the point. Yeah. But now you're just being nice now, like you said to me earlier. But thank you. Well, I want to ask about jingle writing process. All right. Process. All right. Um, so how do you, is there any specific patterns that you follow to, how do you decide how to write these things? What, do you have any, do you have one way that you always do it? Or oh, do you no. have a couple of different ways? My My method could probably be described as random. Yeah, mine that, too, actually. Yeah, in that I will hear something on the show, on the podcast, and usually if I know it's a good idea, the way I know it's a good idea is instantly a title and an idea for that song. For for what song to use and what title to change it to mm-hmm. jumps into my head within like seconds of me hearing them talking about it on the podcast. Okay, yep. And those are some of my, what I think, feel like are some of the best ones and have gotten some of the best reaction and have aired and things like that, even once it didn't air, but that I've gotten a lot of people say, wow, this is really good. You know, I really, this made me laugh is when it just comes to me instantly. Yep. And those are few and far between, but it is pretty awesome when that happens. Um, when it doesn't happen that way and I have to actually, you know, put work in, uh, <laughs> um, I will, I have a list, huge list of songs that whenever I think of a song, oh, that'd be a good one to write a jingle about. I don't think anybody's done that. Let me go to TK Jingles and, you know, search for the song. And if it doesn't show up, then I'll write it down in my notebook and be like, okay, um, I've got this list that whenever an idea comes up, I'm like, oh, here's an idea. And I don't have a song and immediately pops into my head for it. I'll go to the notebook and read through the song titles and be like, could this work? Could this work? Could this work? And kind of figure out a couple of ideas out of that that could fit with it the best. Yeah. Um, Other than that, um, if the lyrics don't come pretty much right away within a few minutes, uh, it's basically working on ideas. I try to get a title and then go from there and try to say, okay, how, what is, what would be funny about taking the meaning or the original lyrics from this song and twisting them into a parody song. So you use the theme or the emotion or the atmosphere from the original song and take that and either do it, and either carry it forward into the parody or you do a 90 degree turn from it. And so it's juxtaposed against the original theme. Uh, and that makes it funny to me. So that's some of my, that's some of my favorite jingles that other people have done. Some of the favorite ones that I've done are when the lyrics are so ridiculous and they're matched up with a somber song. Yeah. And it doesn't yeah. even have to be somber tone of the music, but if it's like, if you know the original song, you know what it's about, and then you put some ridiculous thing on top of it, you know, replace the lyrics with something crazy, and that's some of the funny stuff to me. Yeah, I mean, like Uranus and Venus. Yes. Um, and in a in a God of Vita, um, I think what was it? I'm gonna eat a Dorito. Yeah. And, and, I can't believe that one has come up twice. Yeah. I forgot I had done other, that one. 
see you you forget once you start doing all these yeah um but then opposite can be true too where you're singing something really upbeat and yeah. it's a somber topic like the thing that when you just said that what came to mind for me was um john i did one with john fitzpatrick he wrote here we go again by dolly parton yeah for um the choking dogs uh i think it was the capitals or maybe it was i think it was the capitals probably <laughs> and you know how that that song is very chipper yes and so i remember singing that and feeling like chipper but it wasn't a chipper so it was basically ripping on the choking dogs right so, and is, I think that song is more, I think that song does that in itself and that the original lyrics are not actually upbeat. No, they're not. But it just feels chipper when yes, you hear absolutely. Dolly the sing it The melody yeah. and, the, yeah. and the music, yes, absolutely. I think it's done that way on purpose. I think that's a great, that's a great, you know, extension of that idea. Yeah, but some of my favorites too are the ones that they're very, very somber and yet they're talking about stupid, stupid things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Well, it sounds like my style of writing is similar to yours. So I I um, tried to think about that. Mm-hmm. And I I do have a list of songs that I write in a notebook that I that I want to do a parody to, but just don't know. Nothing has come up yet. Right. So I wait for something to be said that would fit for that jingle, you know. Yeah. For, for, and so I wrote down some that some of my jingles that came about that way. Oh, um, cool. Offshore um, was one of them. I I love Roxanne by by the Police. Yep. And but I didn't didn't know what quite to do until he started talking about his off the offshore problems with AT and T and the password and things like that. <laughs> the passcode that was and I should have mentioned this one before because that is one of my favorites of yours and a brilliant um, idea to put in with the title of that song and then. It's really, it's not only funny, but it's very well done. So that's one of my favorites of yours, too. Oh, thanks. That one was a lot of fun to do. And yeah. it turned out better than I thought it was going to. Yeah, that's, that's um, great. Zombie by the Cranberries came about that way. Because that <laughs> that's one of my favorite songs ever to sing. I've yeah. always loved to sing that one. And so it was on my list, but what am I going to use for that? So that one, that one was okay, but that was one of the ones that came about that way. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, I love the song "Don't Cry for Me, Argentina." Oh, is that from Avita? Is that what? Is that what yeah, it is? from yep. Avita. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that one had been on my list for a long time, but nothing seemed to work until Tony told the story of golfing with Javelinas, um, in Javelinas <laughs> stalking him in Arizona. I remember that one. I remember hearing that one on the podcast. Yeah. So that I wrote no tone there, just Javelinas, yeah. and that. So that's a few that came about that way where. I've got them on my list already, but I don't just want to force anything. Yep. Um, but then there are a few that I've done where I just really want to do the song and I'm tired of waiting and I just try and kind of mold it the way I want to. Yep. And, you know, just sort of force something. I've done that. So I wrote <laughs> I wrote down a couple of those. Um, Son of a Preacher, I did that way. Um, that was about podcast delays and the weasels and I called it Sons of Bitches, man. <laughs> And that one, that. that one turned out okay. That I, I again, I don't think this is the best way to write them. I think the forcing them is the hardest ones to do. But that yes. one, I like that one. And then this one has a. I'm sure this has happened to you before. So I really like the song Jackson, 
that Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash had a duet. They yep. sang that song, Jackson. Yep, great Well, time. I've always loved that song, and I wanted to do that. So mm -hmm. I wrote it to Rockville, about going to Rockville, uh, Rockville Pike, yes. where the old radio show used to be. But literally the same day that I finished writing and recording that jingle, Brad Weiss contacted me and yep. asked me if I wanted to do that duet with him. That's one thing that I was going to specific ask you. song. Yeah, I was going to ask how that came about because I remember I've seen, I've listened to both of those. I've heard both mm -hmm. of those, the solo version and the duet version that he posted. He posted the duet version, right? Yes, and Brad's is way better writing-wise. No. Um, you <laughs> they're, know, both, because, they're both really good. But that, again, that was one that I forced, and then he contacted me, and I didn't need to force it, but... but <laughs> They, they aired the the duet one, and the, the gang really liked that one. But yeah. that was one that I wrote. But that's how that happened. Um, he just, it that's was funny. like instantaneously. And that has happened to me probably at least 10 more times since this whole thing started, where <laughs> you're thinking about something and someone else is asking or has just posted it. Um, yep, happened that, to me, it's happened to me too. Yeah, and it's really odd. And then... Sinead O'Connor, Nothing Compares to You, was one of those songs where I just really wanted to do the song. Yep. And I think that was about... Prince Song. Yes, Prince Song. And then Against All Odds by Phil Collins. I, I love that song, and I wanted to do that one. So those are just a few that I did that in that method. Cool. And then I already told you that I did Baratuna. Barra, Barra you mean Tunacuda? Or Tunacuda. Yeah. Okay. By just searching for words of things that rhyme. Uh, I also did that with the song. <laughs> <laughs> what are you laughing at? Just search. It's just like, I just went to Google and typed in whatever what rhymes. <laughs> or if somebody will say, like, another one, for instance, is when Tony was talking about how he couldn't, his cardiologist has now told him that if he shovels, he's going to die. Oh, yeah. I remember that. And so I, I thought to myself, okay, the word trouble sort of rhymes with shovel. So then I started searching for songs that had trouble in them so that's a lot of how i'll do that and a, a few songs came up but the one that i knew the most and liked the most was there's your trouble or trouble or something by the dixie chip chicks and so that's when i wrote push my shovel oh okay and um so that's how i came up that one wasn't on my list of songs that i wanted to do i think most of my jingles are ones that i make a list of and then wait for something to fit and, uh, but again, like you said, some of what I, I think are my best jingles came where they just sort of came to me fully formed, seemed to be in my head, like they wrote themselves. Yeah. And now, um, I've got a few of those. The podcast delay one, the You're So Vain one was one of those. Yep. Um, Loyal was one of those. Phil's Mom to When I'm Gone was one of those songs. Oh, I remember that one now. Yeah. Yeah. Bicycle. Um, Queen. <laughs> And then the Bob Bob Ryan song that I did to Beach Boys' Barbara Ann that, was one of those. That yes, see, I, I should have went back and looked at your list of stuff because that Bob Ryan one was genius. Just the the idea to put that to that title of that song was hilarious, and that. But it seems so when you think when you see it, it seems so obvious. Like that's I couldn't, the thing. That's the yeah. greatest things to me. The greatest creative things are obvious when you look at it. Even people who didn't come up with the idea look at it and go. Well, that seems obvious to me now. Yeah, like how come nobody, yeah, right, how, <laughs> how did no one come up with that before? Yes. You know, that kind of thing. That is that is some of the greatest stuff. That is that's some of the greatest jingles that I've that I've seen. Just I really like enjoy the ones that are like, oh, 
I should have thought of that. That's a perfect idea. Yep. And when what you're basically saying when you say, "Oh, that's obvious," is that that's that it that idea is perfect. Well, I should have came up with that because it's right there, and it just yep. the, you know nobody else happened to come up with it. So that's that's brilliant to me. That's yeah, and there have been quite a few jingles like that. Yes. Where you're thinking, man, I wish I would have thought of that, or that is just genius, <laughs> you know? Oh, absolutely, by everybody. I mean, everybody's got a few of those that I'm like, that is a brilliant idea. I should have come up with that. Yeah, like the whole hallelujah. Yeah, the who is junior, I miss yeah, junior, who is all junior, that stuff. Yeah. I think we've all contributed to that at some point. Yes, we have. Um, okay, well, let's let's wrap it all up here with a few fun or would you rather type questions? Oh, yes. Are you asking whether if I'd rather do this or wrap it up? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather do this. I'm just wondering. I wasn't asking you that. Oh, okay. All right. Since we just, you know, talked very serious stuff about oh, yeah, jingles serious. and Tony Kornheiser and all <laughs> that, I think we should try and just finish it off for today with some very light, um, you know, easy, fun-loving type of questions like nonsense, would you basically. rather nonsense like yeah. would you rather watch star wars or star trek hmm is that an example or are you asking me the question i'm asking you oh okay um i'm about equal on those oh uh, okay How about you? i think star wars yeah i can see that but see is i can star also wars see star wars the star if i'm right star wars is oh, darth vader princess leia Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. You know I did that just to get this response. Name one character from Star Trek. Spock. Oh. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I should have said besides Spock. Uh, Captain Kirk. Oh, very good. What's his and, first uh, name? Uh, Captain, I don't know. James. James. James Tiberius Kirk. Yeah, see, it's clearly Star Wars for me. I had never liked Star Trek. I can see that because they are very different. Uh, but even though they have, both have Star in the name and are about the future, or I guess maybe Star Wars about the past? Is it a is it a multi-parallel universe in the past? Is that what it is? Wait a minute. Because this is a long time ago in a galaxy far, know. far away. Yeah, that's And Star true. Trek, I know, is about the future. So could they be, hmm... Could they be the same universe at some point where one is no. just thousands of millions of years before the other one? This was supposed to be light hearted. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I have no idea. I guess you're right. In a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, yeah. I, Probably. A, a long time ago. Long, long time ago. Maybe yeah. it says something like that. Hey, here's yeah. the thing. when Whenever I take those psych evaluation questions, mm -hmm. you know, the ones with the, like the four quadrants, yes. I always get evaluated as the dot in the middle of the four quadrants. Okay. So I, I inherently break these things way down by just no. I mean, literally break oh, them. Oh, break them, break the test. <laughs> so the quiz, like we don't know what to do with this guy. Yeah. So when I take those personality things, you, you know, you have to for some employment. Used to a long time ago mm -hmm. when I actually worked a real job, like a corporate job. They, you know, they break you down in these categories because they want to know how you're going to handle things and put you with people that work together in the same kind of way sure. or complement yeah. each other, that kind of business and. So whenever I would take those things, I ended up right in the middle or on the lines. Like, and I'm like, that's, they're like, this is not usually a thing, but here's your, here's where you are. So yeah, <laughs> just know that going in. So all right, I know that I'm down now. the middle on Star Trek and Star Wars. I like them both. 
a decent amount. I'm not in love with either one of them. Okay. Um, what about you? You got a question? Um, yeah, I got one. Say you go to a party of people that you don't know. Maybe you're sort of acquaintance with some of them there. Um, would you rather spend the next several hours having a few minutes conversation with most of the other people in the room? Or would you rather have one conversation with maybe two people that's more extended and in-depth? Definitely option two. Yep, I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah, one conversation with just a few people that's, like you said, more extended or in-depth. Um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of small talk. No, me either. Absolutely not. <laughs> Some people can like it and can do it well. Yeah, and that's great. That is great. I'm just not one of those people. So you're not. So you're saying you're not a social butterfly. Well, that depends on who the group is and how uh -huh. well I know them. I, I, I see. I determine social butterfly is a person that's going to be floating around the room, whether they know everyone there or not, and they're always. Okay. They feel like they have to interact a little bit with every single person for a short amount of time with every single person in the party or in in the event. No. Uh, it, by that definition, I would say no. But if it's a group of people that I know, then I am kind of like that, where I'm going to go to everybody. Yep. So we're but again, it, we're kind of in the middle. Yes. <laughs> and you know what? You've led me to my my question. Yep. My next question: Do you consider yourself an introvert? Yes. And <laughs> let me finish because you, you don't know where what the other one is. <laughs> you think you know where this is coming going, but I discovered okay. something today that I'd never heard of. An introvert, an extrovert, or an ambivert? Is that like a an ambient? Like you go to sleep? What? Am, <laughs> I, ambivert? I'm guessing, I'm guessing what they're saying is that it's sort of in between. Wouldn't that be and more like an omnivert? Maybe, but my guess is that they're using the term ambidextrous. Or ambivalent? Too handy or ambivalent. I'm ambivalent towards people? Yeah, that's probably me. Most people so, would say that. Here's so there's there was it's this article that I saw, mm -hmm. and the, here are some characteristics of an am, ambivert. Okay. Ambivert. You are most comfortable in crowded spaces, but you when you are in them, you don't tend to seek out interaction. That is not me. No, that's not me. So basically, you want to be around people, but you don't want to be with them. So you go to like a coffee shop to sit amongst the people, but you don't really want to talk to that's, them. I love gatherings, but I hate people. Yeah. Okay, so we agree that neither one of us is that. Yep. Number two, though, you tolerate or engage in small talk, but can get very engaged in intimate conversations. And I would say that that's, that's, that is me. That's probably not me, because I don't really even tolerate small talk for very long. Because I, I get distracted and I move on to something else. Oh, yeah. So I'm very what's... socially, um, what's the word? Uh, socially uh, anxious? No, not at all. Never anxious. Um, not anxious, okay. Socially... Withdrawn? No, I'm not withdrawn because I, be, I can be friendly when I want to be friendly. And I like people. Mm -hmm. I just... I'm, I'm ambivalent, basically, towards small talk. I would much rather, why waste time talking with someone about the weather when we can get into a deep conversation about something? 
Yeah, and I am I'm totally with you there. Mm-hmm. But when I when I mention things like that, the pushback I get is, but it's that small talk that allows you to become intimate with people. That you have to start that there. See, I, I think that's know, a waste of time. Yeah, I don't know that I agree with that. I um, disagree with that. But you know, hey, I I will say this. That's I disagree with with that for me personally, mm-hmm. because all it does is make me go, we got to get past this, or that's how I, I feel move about on to somebody it, but... else. It, okay, can we? I can. can we I can keep... totally. Un, I can totally understand how that can be beneficial to other people, though. So it may. I don't. I believe them when they say that helps them get into the deep conversation. So what I should probably do is understand that when people are trying to do that with me, maybe they are trying to get to the deeper conversation by having the chit chat at the beginning, and maybe I should, you know, engage in that more. Right. Just have some more patience. But I'm kind of the same way. It's like, all right, let's move on now. <laughs> yeah. If yeah, I'm I'm definitely more talking about my preference than anything else. Yeah. Uh, you adjust your personality based on the energy level of the company you are in. Um, no. It says, because you are flexible, you find yourself shifting personalities sometimes. No, I pretty much, what you see is what you get. What you hear is what you get from the beginning of time to the end of time. And yeah, honestly, I, I feel like that alienates a lot of people that get to know me a little bit. At uh-huh. the beginning, and they expect me to change, and I expect them to stay the same. Okay, <laughs> and yeah. then I don't change, and they're like, "I can't, I can't deal with this twenty four seven. I can't deal with this, you know, all the time." So, well, I don't think that I'm this way, but if it says this sentence makes me gives me some pause, it says, "You if you are with a high energy, highly extroverted person." You will try to rein them in by becoming more reserved. Um, mm, that uh, that no. I can see myself doing that, but if I'm doing that, it's not. It's probably more that I'm uncomfortable with that person being so loud or whatever. Yeah, I was going to say that's not a conscious decision, or that's not even right. a that's not even a subconscious decision. That's just you reacting to them. You're not changing your personality necessarily to influence anything. You're just withdrawing from them. Right. Yeah. That's how I can see myself doing that, where if that person is so highly energized, it doesn't make any, why should I engage? Because that person's just going to dominate anyway. I don't don't know. I guess. I think that's a poorly written, I think that's a not thought out example, or maybe that's written from the point of view of an extrovert that sees other people as, hey, you're changing to bring me down because, or to rein, you feel like you have to control me and rein me in when I'm excited. And that's the extrovert not understanding this person is not like you. Right. <laughs> that's what I find, honestly, most the funniest thing to me is I, when I'm, I try to approach all situations and go, this person is different from me. I need to let them be who they are mm-hmm. and don't try to put my outlook on things and the energy that I would approach something with on top of them, but just let them give them room and space to be who they are because I, I am very passionate about stuff is what I've learned the <laughs> the good spin on it is, which, you okay. know, which I mean, some people would say I get to where I yell a lot at things <laughs> if I get some, <laughs> if I get really get into talking about something, which I think we've had that, you know, yeah, <laughs> at one point. But um, I, I like the term passionate about it now. I've heard that. And so I'm going with that. Yeah, so, I like passionate too. But I can't allow that to overwhelm the situation and the conversation, which I have, yep. I can have a tendency to do at times. And when, when you say passionate, 
if I get not passionate, but if I'm angry, yeah, I hate this about myself because I will, I won't be able to, I cannot form the words that I want, and mm-hmm. I'm just so angry that I get flustered, and then I start crying. Ah, oh. I hate that because people think I'm sad, and it's not that I'm sad; I'm angry, but I can't get the words out, and so I just start crying, and so I'm it like, it just comes out in emotion, just the anger. Yes, comes, just like. Yeah. Ah! Help See, me say what I want to say. <laughs> yeah, and I am the opposite. The more something infuriates me, the more words and the more animated and the more passionate I get in speaking about it. Yeah. So I have to be careful to rein that in because I'm an introvert that can all of a sudden explode and people think, Yeah. Is this person yeah. bipolar? Which I've had people <laughs> say that to me before, ask me and genuinely concerned uh, and say, Have you ever had this checked out? I'm like, well, no, because I know what I'm doing. It's not, it's not manic depressive. It's just I'm very I'm I just happen to be an introvert who is very passionate about things. And if you get me onto a topic, mm-hmm. I'm you know yeah. I'm locked onto that topic, probably far beyond any rational normal human being wants to talk about and discuss at one point at one point in time. So <laughs> I understand that about myself. And now that I see that, I try to you know. So I'm going to stop talking now. Well, well, I can understand. I have done. If I'm with a group of people that I know really well, yes. I can do that where I can keep going passionately without breaking into tears. Oh, I do but it if, in front of strangers. Well, but if I'm in front of strangers, or yeah. that's when I start crying, and hmm. it's a real, it's a real conversation stopper. Oh, yeah, <laughs> which is probably a good thing. Yeah, I can, <laughs> I can see that being the case. Yeah. See, and that's that's the thing with me is. People that I know and have known for many years have gotten used to that part of my personality, but I will do it with people that I just met that are trying to have small talk conversation and they'll mention one thing and I'll be like, oh, laser focus on that thing. And I'm not, I'm on this thing for 15 minutes and we're, I'll let you have a chance to talk, but I'm going to be very animated and without even knowing it, I'm raising my voice and my arms are going up in the air and I'm, you know, like this and this, and I can't believe this. And even if it's something I'm excited about, it's... That's I'll just how passionate. it comes out. Yeah, it yeah. just comes out, and people are like, "I don't even know you. What are you doing?" So yeah. I have to be, I have to watch out for that. Well, I I wonder if you have anyone in your family that kind of grabs your arm and, and gives you signals <laughs> like you're going a little far. I have somebody that I'm related to by marriage that has taught me a lot about it's not what you say is important, but how you say it has a big influence on how it gets across to other people. Mm-hmm. And it's- because before. I had no filter and would say anything that I felt like, because I feel like, Hey, if I tell you the truth, I'm helping you. So I should always tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. And I should, and even if you don't ask, I should tell you the truth. And that does not go over well. A lot of times in people that don't know you. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I've dealt with that a little bit myself. I've gotten a little bit better at not, um, solicit, not giving advice when it's not solicited. There you go. I've had to work on that. (laughs) Yes. Um, in spite of being the life of the party at times, you find it hard to assert yourself and your needs in intimate situations. I don't think what you're just saying is that you this is not true for you. What you were intimate just telling situations. Me. What are you talking about? Intimate conversations. Okay. <laughs> that's how I'm taking it. <laughs> yeah, that's how let's go there. Yeah. Um, it says when asked about themselves in intimate conversation, ambiverts often stumble over their words. Intimate conversations are supposed to be about the meaning of life or the significance of a new film or societal ills, not about being something silly like yourself, right? Oh, I can talk nonsense about myself all day. 
Okay, so yeah, the answer is no for you on this one. Yes. Um, and that. Yes, the answer is no. no that yeah, no. The answer is. I I don't know what your answer is. <laughs> it seems like you're saying you can talk about yourself all day. So the answer would be. I don't. Um, I know better than not to, and I try not to, and I don't enjoy talking about myself. I'd rather hear the other person talk about, mm-hmm. especially if it's someone that I don't know all that well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more I know you, maybe it is. Maybe my answer is. Maybe I do agree with that because. Oftentimes in deep conversations, I don't want to talk about stuff that I've done. I want to talk about bigger picture topics and core issues and let's get down to the heart of this and let's figure out why society doesn't work and let's figure out why, you know, what is love and, you know, why do people hate each other? And that, that's, I want to get down to the, you know, the underlying base issues on that is a lot of times in deep conversations, that's like the, the points I like to get to. So maybe so. Yeah, that's similar for me. I would say that I agree with that statement. Okay. You've been called both an extrovert and an introvert and didn't know there was an option, a different option until now. Hmm. This is definitely true for me. Yes, same for me. Says your book club wonders how you can be so outgoing and your party people wonder why the heck you're in a book club. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that's true for me because I can, people will say to me, you really think you're an introvert? And the answer is yes, I do think I'm an introvert, but apparently I don't come across that way all the time. I can turn it on when I want to turn it on, mm-hmm. personality. Mm-hmm. And yep. I prefer not to almost all the time. So that's why I say introvert. Yeah. I am much more comfortable by myself than I am with a group of people. Yeah, me too. So that all that being said, if you haven't read the book, Quiet. You familiar with this book? Uh, no. It's by Susan Cain. It's Quiet. called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. Oh, you you emailed me about this once before. Yes. And I read it, and I had the person to whom I'm related by marriage, who is an uh-huh. extrovert, read it. And there's been a lot of, oh, I get why you say that, or I get why you do that now. I, oh. You know. So I would recommend it for anybody, no matter what you'd call yourself. I think it, it really helps people understand each other of different sort of personalities. Oh, definitely. Um, that's, that's I mean, really, that's that's a key thing to understand other people is see things mm-hmm. from their point of view, for sure. And a lot of that book is about classroom settings and um, teachers and things like that and how the most of our classrooms are set up for extrovert world. Yep. It's very interesting. Very cool. So I would I would put that in our recommendation segment for this week. <laughs> <laughs> we got um, no qualifications, but that's our recommendation. That's our recommendation. Okay, <laughs> last question here. Do you what's your favorite holiday? My favorite holiday is there a answer that is no holidays? Well, sir, you can make your own answer up. I, I don't like holidays, but I would say probably out of the ones that we have, Thanksgiving would probably be my favorite. Okay, well, good timing, because it, it, it is Thanksgiving, and mm-hmm. it's my favorite, too. Awesome. Um, do you have a, a favorite think, traditional Thanksgiving dish? Turkey, stuffing, or dressing? Do you call it stuffing, or do you call it dressing? Um, I don't eat it, so I don't call it anything. Um, I'm trying to think of what my family calls it. Probably, I think I've heard both, actually. Yeah, I've heard both, but our family, we say stuffing. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's a regional thing too, like the pronunciations. 
I'm sure it is. You see, I'm, I'm trying to get all segments pushed in here, right? <laughs> the last five minutes of the podcast is every single segment. So do we have any feedback this week? <laughs> I give you my feedback. I don't like holidays, but Thanksgiving is pretty cool. Yep, I like Thanksgiving the best, and I am a huge stuffing fan. Nice. Stuffing is, is by what, far my favorite dish. Is it like, what is it? What is it, breadcrumbs, or is it like the inner parts of the turkey? Keep keep going. Is it, I like where you're going. Um, like yeah, there's bread pudding. What what in the world is stuffing? Well, there's thousands of different ways you can prepare it, and a lot of people will cook the stuffing inside the turkey. Mm-hmm. And but what I is it like made out of? Basically, okay, it's made of breadcrumbs. Uh huh. Um, meat. Usually, there's some meat in it. Sausage. I've made it with bacon. Um, you can put cucumbers in it. Onions. Uh, I think last year we put some craisins or something like that in it. Wait a minute. And you, yeah, what, like what with a, a little sweet, a little sweet. What is a craisin? Well, dried cherry, dried a crazy raisin? cranberry. Yeah, that's probably why they got the term. It's a it's a dried cranberry. What? There's yeah, no raisin you, in it. Oh, there there might be. Wait a minute, but is a wait a minute, so. Is a raisin just a thing and not necessarily a grape? A raisin is just basically the um, dehydration of a small fruit. Is that what a raisin is? I, so isn't that a what? Yeah, isn't that of a? But grape? I always thought, yeah, I know raisins come from grapes, but I'm wondering, is the term raisin can it be used for any sort of small fruit like a cranberry or a grape or? No, I don't think so. So a, if a raisin is a grape, and this is a cr- dried cranberry. It must be. I think I got it wrong. I think it's a cranberry raisin. I don't really know what it is. It's called a craisin. You've never heard of craisins? No, that's crazy. No. <laughs> oh, actually, raisins are very popular to put in stuffing. Really? Maybe that's yeah. another reason I originally never would eat it as a kid because I can't stand raisins. Uh, I don't like raisins either separately, but I like them in stuffing. See, we fit on something very cool now because. The only way I like to eat raisins is separately, like out of like the little box with the girl on the picture of it or the sunshine on the front of it. Yep. Um, Sun made or, you know, California raisins or whatever. Those are the ones that I eat. I I will eat them out of the box. I can eat a whole box of those. I cannot stand a raisin in any other food when it's mixed in. And you're saying you're the opposite of that. Totally. I I cannot stand raisins by themselves. I cannot eat craisins by themselves, yet I can eat dried cherries from Costco by themselves. Love them. So that w- would that be a chasin? Well, it's called dried cherry, cherry but yeah, you can, let's call it a chasin. So if it's just I eat... a dried tra- cherry, though. There's no raisins as far as I know. So Dehydrated I... cherry. Yeah, so I, eat, I like eating like dried pineapple. That's one mm-hmm. of my favorite things, favorite snacks. And so is that panasin? <laughs> Let's go with that. Okay. And I'm really interested you... to know about. I'm gonna have to look this up, or maybe somebody can tell us about what define an actual what an actual raisin is. Is it just a grape? And now that they've just kind of marketing has kind of glommed onto that term and moved it to these other things to make up these names, or is a raisin just the process and we just happen to most associate it with the grape? Well, I just googled it. It says a partially dried grape. Oh, so in the definition is grape. Yes. Now so I'm these dried cranberry craisin people are confusing everybody. Yeah, they're confusing me apparently. Craisins versus raisins. Snack girl is telling us. 
Uh, dried cranberries. I was right. Wait a minute. Wait. Snackgirl.com. Snackgirl.com is the source of our factual check yes. fact checks for this week. <laughs> the truth about dried cranberries is her blog post. So craisins are dried. <laughs> try, according to Snack, what do you want me to do? Wikipedia? Will that make you feel better? No, because who knows what who wrote it on there? I just find Snack Girl that that's an actual thing funny. Oh, definitely. Um, dried cranberries are made by partially dehydrating fresh cranberries. A process similar to making grapes into raisins. So maybe that's why they call it craisins, because it's similar. Mm-hmm. I think they do that for marketing terms. Oh, I'm sure they do. But yeah. I don't like craisins separately. I only like dried cherries separately. And mm-hmm. if we're talking about separating things, I cannot stand nuts in desserts and cookies. Oh, but I, I love nuts separately. Yeah, I like like peanuts and like cashews. That's about mm-hmm. as far as I go. I don't like almonds and things like that. But I'll eat peanuts and cashews all day. Like, you know, you give me a jar of them. I have a I jar cannot... of cashews right now in front of me. Yeah. If, if you've heard me, if you've been hearing me chew, <laughs> I'm, I'm eating cashews. It's I'm cashews. sorry. But yeah. I cannot stand when you put a nut inside of something else. Like in a brownie or like bread or any kind uh, of dessert or any kind of anything, any kind of dish. I'm with you. Same thing with ice cream. Keep the nuts out of the ice cream. Wait a minute. Who's putting peanuts in ice cream? Oh, really? There's lots of ice creams with nuts in them. Really? Prayer, praline, pecan. I don't know what they're called, but they're just, they're not, they're not. Uh, oh, see, they're I don't not need any of that either. No, no. So uh, on that note, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah. Go talk to your family. <laughs> Stop listening to this and go talk to your family. <laughs> don't eat anything with nuts in it. Yeah. I love snow peas, and I love you.